Super 32 is in the books, folks, which means it's time to start planning for the Spartan Combat Nationals coming back to Jacksonville, Florida this April 8th through the 10th. Russell Beach, Folkstyle, Freestyle, and Greco at the Spartan Combat Nationals. Register now at SpartanCombat.com. It's not really about winning. It's about how you win and how you go forward getting your hand raised the right way. And I learned that when I came out of the womb. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. I'm Ryan Warner, your host. Today's guest is a very special guest, Terry Brands, associate head coach at the University of Iowa, Olympic bronze medalist, two-time world champ, two-time NCAA champ, twin brother of one Tom Brands. So today's episode is special in the sense that I host the Hawkeye Wrestling Club podcast, and on the first Friday of every month, we're going to be releasing the podcast here on Wrestling Changed My Life. So if you want to watch the full video version of this episode, go to HawkeyeWrestlingClub.com and join their inner circle. But the audio version, the podcast version, you can listen to right here on Wrestling Changed My Life. Today's episode is with Terry Brands, as we mentioned. Next episode will be with Dan Dennis, and then after that, Tom Brands. Fan of the week goes to our good friend, Wrestle Chicago. That's at Wrestle Chicago on the gram. One of the great designers of our time. He has a ton of awesome stickers. Check him out at Wrestle Chicago on Instagram. And without further ado, folks, let's give it up for Terry Brands. Coach Brands, honored to have you, sir. Thanks for doing this. Honor's mine. Appreciate it very much. It's humbling to know that you guys want to be here and talk. So. We definitely do. I am so excited to get into into current events and past I got to start with Montana State Northern. How did you end up at Montana State Northern, and what did you learn from that experience? Um, well, I learned that wrestling's wrestling, or I shouldn't say I learned that. I solidified that idea in my head that wrestling's wrestling. And um, MSU Northern, they had some really, really good people there. Um, David Ray was a head coach and a, and a really good friend of mine. I love that guy. He gave me a really huge opportunity for that. And, you know, you – you go in there and you talk to them and you coach them and you mentor them the same that you do, whether you're getting ready for an Olympic gold medal or a district championship out of Sheldon, Iowa, you get ready the same way. And that all that did all that uh, trip over there did was solidify that idea. And you were doing stuff from running practice to doing laundry and helping in every way possible, right? Concessions. Yeah, I'm not sure where you're getting your information from, but you're accurate. How do you know that? You dig deep into dive, my past. baby. All hey, wow. Interview we go yeah, to. Wait, sure, no, he's not behind me. <laughs> awesome. I, I just I thought that was very unique. And then one of the guys came and coached with you at Tennessee, right? Tyson. Tyson Thieverage. Thieverage. He yeah. was a tough hombre. He is a tough hombre. And Emmett Wilson won the Hodge. Yeah. He didn't win the Hodge that year, but the next year he won the Hodge. And, man, that guy, he's a beast. And you know they had Turk Lords there before I was there. Didn't know that. And Turk Lords was a real deal. And Caleb Schaefer and Carl Valley transferred down there. Maybe those are guys you don't know. Josh Wright mm -hmm. and and um, um, Dustin Azure. I mean, 
it was awesome. Wayne French ended up going there. We recruited him out of Montana to come to Tennessee. And then when I left, he went back up there. Gotcha. Oh, no, he didn't. I'm sorry. He went to uh, Great Falls. But okay. just a lot of really good people there and great relationships. David Ray was was awesome in giving me a uh, chance to go up there. Pretty cool to know that everyone starts somewhere in the coaching ranks. And obviously, you've been at Iowa since 92 under Gable. Yeah. But kind of the, one of the big first steps away, you know, once you look at, you know, obviously you get to Tennessee, but... You know, what was kind of the, I guess, the turning point in, in your in your career that made you say, I do need to get out of Iowa City for a little bit and try something else? Um, I don't know if there was a turning point. It was just a gradual decision that I, you know, I wanted to be a head coach. I knew that about me. I also knew that um, Jimmy was at Iowa. We were winning big. And if I was going to ever have an opportunity, it wasn't going to be, you know, hanging around for a decade or longer. Um, so that's when I started my wife and I, we talked about it and I went to Jimmy's house and, and just said, Hey, it's time for me to go. And, you know, he was awesome. Basically don't try to talk me out of it, please, Jimmy. <laughs> and he didn't, he, he, I think he wanted me to stay, but we left on great terms. And, um, that opportunity was awesome too. You know, I, that was a weird deal because, um, you know, there was a guy there, and Tom was already on staff, and there was a guy there, Joel Sherritt, and and I actually, they, they wanted to hire me. Gable and Jimmy wanted to hire me as a volunteer, and I was like, well, why wouldn't you hire Sherritt? Yeah. You know, he's a big guy, and you might want to talk to those guys about that, but but that's what I remember, and, you know, he's a bigger guy, you know, but they were like, no, we want you, and that was, you know, huge to, to have them, you know, voice that. Yeah, because I'm all about the team. What's best for the team, obviously, and right. And I was gonna, you know, stay anyway. I was still training at the time, and mm-hmm. um, it was it was just a really strong blessing, you know, and a really strong signal of what Gable thought of me and Jimmy also, and what he th- thinks of the Brands kids for sure. You know, and when you got to Montana State Northern, granted, it's not the creme de la creme like University of Iowa, but I'm betting for you, standard doesn't change depending on where you're at. It didn't. That's what I was saying earlier about solidifying the idea that wrestling's wrestling. Yeah. And I'm not talking to these guys any different. I'm not going to cheat those guys. You know, I actually, when I got to Colorado Springs, I called Emmett to see if he wanted to come down and, and be part of the resident program and train for an Olympic gold medal. And he just was, you know, in a different place in his life by that time. But, you know, he, he is as good as anybody that I've coached, um, Henry included, you know, as far as the work ethic, the mental toughness, the ability to be able to grind and to be able, be able to, the ability to be able to stay in, um, when there's adversity and not get rattled emotionally or spiritually, you know, and he was, he was as good as anybody. Yeah. Um, and David Ray, credit to him. That's not me. David Ray had those guys in place already. And, and um, I think he recognized that he needed help. And they, you know, you're talking about, I basically washed, you know, volleyball girls stuff, towels, <laughs> and I washed jocks from the basketball team. And um, when, when I was in town, which wasn't very often, you know, but then I would be at the game. I had to open the concession stand, get the cash box. And <laughs> it was awesome. It was great. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was, um, an awesome place. And then before I knew it, I was hired at Chattanooga. Um, Let's talk about that. Cause that's a special three years in your life. I'm sure. Yeah. Chattanooga was, was really awesome. Um, you know, I was there long enough to put roots down mm-hmm. Montana. You didn't really seven months, you know, I got hired after I was there for two months. They hired me in the fall for the next season. Tennessee did. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I knew that's why I didn't get my master's. I was there to get my master's. I didn't get my master's because when Chattanooga called, I'm like, this isn't about a master's program. This is about a freaking wrestling coach that knows what the heck's going on. Yeah. And that can organize and recruit and follow rules. And, you know, um, as, a, as Gary Barta brought here, win, graduate, and do it right. And that's what we do. Got it. Um, so uh, so they called you like October and you said, I got to wait for this full year to go they through? They called in September. I was there a month maybe. Went there interviewed and I think they hired me in like November. And I had a read that you had said, you know, going up to two, 2000 or when did you go to t- Tennessee? Oh, two somewhere. Uh, in there? It would have been, 
Uh, Tennessee, yeah, O two, O two, yeah. So you had had like a decade of notes of from competition, from coaching, that different things you had wanted to implement over the years, and now that you were the head coach, you could. One of the things I read, your guys said that you would do kind of like spurts of like camps where you do four or five, three, four workouts a day for like a, a condensed period, then let them off for a couple of days. Is that something that you had wanted to do for a while? Because I've never um, heard of that before. No, it was something that they needed. It, you know, we, Chattanooga was different. I mean, even Montana with David Ray there, it wasn't disjointed. It wasn't like you're coming in and kind of starting from scratch. And no offense to the guys in Tennessee, yeah, because they were awesome. They 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 were they were the best of the best. You know, I, th- those memories are are some of my best. Um, but they were disjointed. They didn't have discipline. They didn't have structure. They didn't have um, like a path or a mentor that was going to help them get to uh, the aspiration level that they actually went there to achieve. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you go in there and you believe in them the way that you do. But now, now, now where's the reciprocation? Well, it wasn't happening. Mm. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of guys ended up quitting the program. There was a lot of um, things like that going on with uh, partying and things that you don't mix with the sport of wrestling during the season. You just don't do that. Right. And, um, you know, we were, we, we went in and when we got there, uh, it was onto the freestyle stuff. You know, we brought 10 to 13, 15 guys to every stinking freestyle event that we could that spring when I first <laughs> got there and, you know, driving my own car, you know, throwing, throw the luggage in the back of my truck. And then we would rent a 15 passenger van. Wow. And it was it was really good, and it was good for them to see that you know you're only going to get what you earn. You know, whatever you work for is you know what you're going to receive, and you really don't even receive that because there aren't any guarantees. None. And and so they I, they realize that, and they they did a good job. Um, the very first workout I had was a team run in the summer, and two guys went to the emergency room. And, uh, it was an eye opener to me that these guys are not, they don't have any clue about, you know, like, like guys like Matt Pitts and the Keith brothers that I recruited Pitts was already there. And, you know, this Matt, I remember him in high school and he was capable, Mm -hmm. you know, so, okay, now I got to get them to believe in, you know, you're a national contender at your weight class. And so, again, it goes back to the idea of you don't change just because it's Chattanooga. Why Why am I going to cheat those guys? Right. I didn't, you know, I would never do that to anybody that I coach. And um, so what was that workout? Do you remember? Just a run. You know, I say just a run, but yeah. it, they weren't used to it. Right. And it was hot. You're down there in Chattanooga, but Iowa's hot. In, in the summer on Iowa's hottest day, it's above average day in Chattanooga it's not too much terrible difference right the humidity is very the humidity is very similar on the hottest of the hot so it wasn't like you know I was trying to prove a point it was the level of you know shape um understanding of nutrition and hydration understanding of recovery yeah and you know the mental toughness routines and all the things that go into your program and okay, first day of run, here we go, and boom. Are you running it with them, or are you? Yeah, well, I'm. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not running the loop with them. Right, but, but you're out there. I'm running because you know you run the loop backwards to catch them when they're coming down. Gotcha. It's like a three and a half mile. It's just very similar to what we do here. Yeah. And um, you know, you catch them, and then you know, I look up the hill, and Fullhart's carrying this guy down the mountain. <laughs> And um, he's like out in the middle of the road trying to get cars to stop, and they wouldn't stop. And he finally steps out in front of him and kicks the guy's bumper. And he goes, "You got to take me to the hospital." And the guy tried to get around him. He wouldn't let him get around him. Wow! So he goes, "You got to take me to the emergency room." So he threw the guy in the back seat. Wow! And took the guy to the emergency room, and you know, that was day one. <laughs> that was day one, and and um, the guys, a lot of them that ended up quitting, their best buddy was passed out i mean mm. and and these guys are trying to pack him in ice and that's not what you do i mean i know that that's not what you do you get them cool but you don't pack them in ice they can go into you know a, a certain kind of a shock so you know we were trying to get him cool and then their his buddies were like oh, no, no, no. And i go yeah that's what i've been talking about <laughs> 
That's what I'm talking about. It's a big joke to you guys. You guys think that, you know, we're getting ready for Team Run. You don't understand the level that this program is at right now in my brain. Yeah. It doesn't line up what you where you are physically and where you want to get to with your aspirations. It doesn't line up with my idea of it. And so that was a long conversation, a year at least. Until you, you know, got the guys who you wanted and who, the guys who no, had left had left? No, there were guys there that some of the best relationships that I have are with Matt Pitts. Chris Bird, Josh Ward, Drew Roberts. Drew, Drew Roberts, you know, he didn't start. Mm. Um, but he's he was a huge part of that because, you know, there was that. I knew that he knew those guys. I knew that he knew of those guys. He was mm-hmm. from that area. And it was important to me that that I give him the same experience, you know, and, and guys like BJ Malone is coming off the top of my head. The Keith brothers, of course, you know, jo- uh, Michael was in the, in the uh, national semifinals, you know, and, you know, John Sarita's transferred from Missouri. And, you know, I got good relationships with, with all of those guys. And so that's a guy who I've read about John Sarita's. He had said a quote that when you got there, you're, the one thing that was really helpful is that your expectations were crystal clear. What is that to a, for a Terry Brands team, expectations day one? It's the same that it would be any program that's aspiring to be the very, 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 very best. That's what the standard is. And then you distill that consistently every day. and You, you instill it every day. You instill it with your mouth, with your actions, with your pre-team talks, with your individual meetings that you have every stinking day with your uh, um, relationship building Mm -hmm. and your strength program and your airdyne workouts and your rope climbing and fill in the blank. And your sleep, all of it. Everything. Rest, proper nutrition, hydration, the things that we already hit on. So your guys always say that, everyone I talk to say, you can get individuals to believe in them more than they believe in themselves. I think a lot of people in our day and age struggle with limiting beliefs. Like, oh, I'm just not good on bottom, so I'm not going to go there. You guys don't have that problem. Did you and Terry ever have limiting beliefs? No. Sorry, you and Tom no. ever have that problem? Like, did you always just believe in yourselves? Or was that from Gable? Um, always believed in myself. Always. Always. Uh, fifth grade, when I first started wrestling, Tom probably told you that we looked up what the highest pinnacle in the sport is, Olympic gold medal. That's what we're doing. We're going up to the top. And we'll get there. We just got to figure it out one day at a time. Milo of Croton, right? Milo of Croton, baby. How many times did he win it? Seven Olympic gold medals. Crazy. And so you just always had that from the beginning. And then the fight and consistency is something you distill to your guys over time. We, okay. So you're kind of in between two situations there because, yeah, we believed it. But when you believe something, you have to have the map. And so we went to camps. We went to um, USWF developmental camps. And you would pick up one or two things. You don't go to a camp and learn how to win. Hmm. There's too much information that's thrown at you. It's great information. But, you know, when you go to a camp, you pick up one or two things. Yeah. And then you would go to a camp. And then you would go to a camp. And then you'd go to camp. Now you're in eighth grade where you got four camps under your belt. That's eight really, really huge, important things that you're instilling back into what did I want to accomplish? Olympic gold medal. And you're going, okay, it's starting to make sense now. Mm. It's starting to make sense now. And Randy Fakus was huge in that, you know, and it's not really about winning. It's about how you win and how you go forward, getting your hand raised the right way. And I learned that when I came out of the womb, the way I was raised by my dad, by my mom, as dysfunctional as my family life was, there were some good pieces there, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you got to Iowa, you had some legendary battles, legendary to the outside world. With Was it Steve Martin or Jim Martin? Steve, yeah. Because I always get the Penn State guy confused. That's Jimmy Martin. So Steve Martin, you, had, you were going head-to-head with him from day one. What do you remember about those battles? He was the guy that was in the way of winning four national championships one year at a time. And he was an awesome guy. Not only was he a great opponent and somebody that I respected as an opponent immensely, but he was a great friend and a great mentor. I mean, you talk about a guy that works. It was, it was Steve Martin. Hmm. 
And, you know, I, I missed the last um, sorority run that the team did. You know, they canceled it after that year, but I missed it because uh, Martin was like, you're not going on that year. We're, we're drilling. And I was like, all right, let's go. Let's drill. Yeah. And, you know, when we got back, Alger's like, where the hell were you? You missed it. Da, 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 da. And I, I was drilling with Matt Martin or Steve Martin. Sorry. Sorry, Steve. Well, that's funny because I read a blog online that one of the guys on your team kept a blog and he published it from that era and he kept referring to rap martin i'm like i don't know who that was so it's steve martin okay awesome guy gotcha great coach as you know yeah you oh know, you incredible know background. he's he's you know he he's not a raw athlete he's a great wrestler though and it was all those years of that drilling and that repetition and he brought that knowledge to me you know and it made sense because it lines up with with gable it lines up with Mark Johnson and Lenny Zaleski and, and those guys that are coaching you and telling you, Keith Moreland. Keith Moreland and Mike DeRoe are probably the best technical coaches I ever had. Wow. You know, Gable was the best coach I ever had, hands down. But those guys, like the detail pieces, very patient. Who's Keith Moreland? I don't know much about him. Moreland was out of... Uh, Moreland? Keith Moreland, yeah. Okay. He was out of... He was a runner-up here, and he was an assistant when I came. And, and so you're... Back to your career, your your true freshman year, your redshirt, redshirt freshman year. Tom gets in the lineup. You and Steve are battling. You actually got in the duel against Oklahoma State. Wrestled Corey Bays. What happened at the end of '89 to decide who went to the Nationals? So I beat Steve in the wrestle off. So I'm the guy. Yeah. Go to Midlands. He's runner up, maybe. I don't know because I'm not him. Mm-hmm. But I was fifth. Um, he, he gets a spot, rightly so. And then he struggled, and then Gable threw me in in a couple of duels, and I did really well. So I got a wrestle-off at the end of the year, and Steve beat me. And he beat me fair and square. Yeah. And it was as fair as it could have been. The better guy wrestled that year, no question about it. And was he on the team the next year, and you had to beat him out, or did he graduate that year? He, I moved up. I was at 26. Oh, that's right. He was at 18 and beat Zapital out. Got it. I mean, it's like, you think Stryker was in the lineup, then he got, which Steiner wrestled Stryker off? Terry. Terry. Yep. Those are the, the the guys that were in the wings back then. Yeah, except Martin didn't get beat out. He beat he Zapital beat out. He beat yeah. Zap, he beat Brands. Yeah. You know. Jeez. All-American. And. You know, from the legendary Martin family. So. Yeah. Big. Big part of the, their legacy. You Absolutely. Know. Yeah. And then Tom Ryan, uh, someone I've had on the show before, he said when he came out, he lived with you for yeah. at least a year or two. We lived together for three years. What 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 kind of impact did he have coming in as a transfer on those really tough teams? He, he's you, anybody who knows Tom Ryan knows his personality. You know, he's fun. He's the life. Yeah. Great teammate. Um, I remember he walked in the office. I was calling. It was in August, and and he had just got into Iowa City, and I was looking for a roommate. And he walked in, and I looked around the thing, and uh, Royce goes, "Hey, Terry, this is Tom Ryan." I go, "Hey, I didn't even say hi." I go, "Hey, you need a roommate?" He goes, "Yeah, man," or "Yeah, whatever." It yeah. wasn't man back then, but, but from then on, I mean, we were the as close as you could. He was a brother, you know. Me, him, Tom, and him were super tight. Uh, a lot of the team, I mean, the team did, didn't not like him. No, no, no. He's got great leadership qualities. He's got great locker room attributes. Charisma oozing uh, off yeah, the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And his dad, I don't know if you know his dad, Frank and no. his brother, Frank Jr. And wrestled at Tennessee, you know, before they dropped the program. Then he went to Syracuse. Okay. Tommy went to Syracuse. Yep. And knew in his heart somehow, some way that this isn't where I'm going to reach my potential. My This isn't where my abilities are going to be able to shine. And so he got in the car and packed up his Ford Escort and <laughs> arrived in Iowa City, Iowa. Amazing. Yeah. Pretty cool. It's also crazy that at when he was out at Syracuse, Royce was out there because Chris Campbell was out there. And yep. so... It's just, you know, the Iowa connections are everywhere. Yeah, Royce was there at a camp, I think, right? Yeah. Campbell was an attorney then. Yeah. How do you look at that? You know, so that 91, 92, <laughs> that era, you had just everyone here thought they could be national champs. Even the guys who weren't starters were thinking that way. The guys you have now, I mean, Kemmerer, Marinelli, Lee, how do you compare and contrast the two groups? Are they similar? 
you, you're not the first one to ask that question. Um, they are similar. Uh, it, it's hard to compare when you have, it's like, you know, the personality so well. Yeah. Um, but this group would be more of a mat ratty kind of group. Like they love the mat on their, when they're on their day on their own where, you know, like, well, structure, 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 and then a day on their own, if that's the case, or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, whatever on that day, a lot of those guys get, a lot of those guys get back on the mat. And in my era, not so much. You know, on that day on our own, we were, you know, cross-training. Got it. You know, and the lifting is going on anyway. So this team's getting their lifting and this and that. But on the day where you have that on-your-own workout and the guys that are coming back in, most of them are cross-training um, and or, you know, that kind of thing. And then these guys, they – they get on the mat, especially when they were younger, mm-hmm. you know, they're starting to, to realize that, you know, you do what you got to do. You don't, you know, get on the mat just because you think you have to, you get on the mat because it's the right thing to do today. That's so interesting. Yeah. You say that because McElravey's told me before that when he first got to Iowa, he lived with the Steiners. They were doing three a days. They might still be doing three a days, but he's like, after one year, I couldn't do the three days anymore. I had to do my own thing. Yeah. And that's what, probably exactly what you're talking about. Huge. And McElravey's not cut that way. And he, for him, the maturity for him to have that is is big. That's his leadership. But that's cool that at Iowa, you could say that back in those days. And it, you can say it any era. Really? For the last, since Gable's been a coach here. Yeah. You know, and that's the biggest knock that we get is they're robots and, and the recruiting wars. And and it's so, it's it's almost comic, comical. Yeah. If it didn't hurt us in the recruiting, it's, it's, it is comical. Yeah. Because we're not. We're the furthest thing from that. There is so much um, self-drive allowment, if you want to put that into terms that way, yeah. here that you'd be shocked. If you spent a year here and you documented the program, you'd be shocked yeah. at, at how hard our guys work when there isn't structure, let alone when there is. And to have the everyone here feel so empowered to like operate on their own and it's all an individual thing and you guys say... For the team to win, just win a national champ. You know, I'm butchering it exact the exact words, but that's basically the gist. Yeah, and you have team characteristics and in, in team um, problem solving and practices when mm-hmm. the, when there's structure. But it's also, you know, let me think of a name. Uh, Kemmerer does things a little bit different than Marinelli does, um, and they both are very successful in those things that they do. Mm-hmm. That's part of being a smart coach is recognizing that. Yeah, there's a lot in Iowa. They say there's a lot of ways to skin a squirrel, and there are, there are, and here there is a lot of ways to get to get to the top stand. Um, there are some things that you can't do that can you can still get to the top stand, but then it just makes it harder. And yeah. that's the message every day. Every day you're going to be downtown partying. I'm not saying you can't win. I'd never tell a guy you can't win, but you're chipping away at what you're trying to. Uh, accomplish right and like all these learnings you have been built up just from experiences with so many greats one of the one guy i heard you worked with who i had no idea dennis hall he's been on the show recently i didn't know this guy's scary man (laughs) irs better not be calling (laughs) no i'm just kidding no no i love it i love it um (laughs) but dennis hall man you guys, would you guys work out like drilling? Would you wrestle Greco? I mean, what workouts would you have together? Dennis Hall's a man. I mean, he's knit mentally. His makeup mentally is style wise very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, we hated each other. You want to hear the story, or you want me? No, to I just... want the whole story. So we hated each other. Um, he beat Tom in a tournament in high school. And, um, that was at the Northern Plains Regional in Madison. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a Wisconsin guy and we went to Iowa. And then a couple of years later, he winds up in Wisconsin. I wrestled him at the Northern Open. I wrestled him twice and, um, I beat him and we, they were wars, like the, the best of the best wars. <laughs> and so he, he tells a story, you have to get with him sometime, but he tells a story where, he had a meeting with Andy Ryan, and Ryan was like, yeah, that's a standard. 
And he's, you know, so he learned a lot from me. I learned way, I got the way better end of the deal. Yeah. Um, that guy is a real deal when it comes to warrior. So what happened is, is remember that poster, the Garth Brooks poster? Yeah. With all the world yeah. champions. Well, we won the same weight class. I won 57 kilo in freestyle. He won 57 kilo in Greco. And then you had Angle and Jackson and the other guys that were, were on that poster that won that year. And um, so we were all on that poster with Garth Brooks. And for, uh, you know, by the grace of God, which is a lot, it's every everywhere in my, every time I turn around, God's <laughs> got me, you know? Yeah. And I walk into the freaking room and guess who's sitting on the bed? Dennis Hall. <laughs> and I'm like, oh gosh, I got a room with this freaking guy. And we... He looks up and goes like, you're like, Rrr. and I was like, Hey, what's up? Rrr. And you guys are sitting there. So I get my stuff unpacked and, um, I had a bungee cord with me. So I grabbed the bungee. I go in, I turn the shower on, shut the door, hot shower, mm-hmm. shut the door, come back out. I get my, the bungee cord. I go in there and I'm doing my bungee sets and he bangs on the door. Hey, what are you doing in there? And I go, I'm doing my bungees or you know, it was that. And he was like, well, I'm doing them with you. And from that point on, it was like, it was, it was like Tom Ryan. Yeah. You know, very tight. What's bungees? It's a bungee cord. It's a, it's a. Like the Russian bands? Yeah. But okay. It's, yeah. But they got handles on them. Got it. Lifelines. So you take those on the road with you back in the. Yeah. You take them on the road with you everywhere. Nice. Now, old man too. Get the the bathroom real hot with the shower and yep. just get in there and yep. sweat. And, and he was all in on that. And then we kind of just stayed in touch. And you know that was that was an interesting time because he ended up being silver and I didn't make the team. You know that was a year Kendall beat me off. And uh, fast forward to two thousand, he doesn't make the team. I make the team, and he's really the one. I went and worked out with him. I helped him train. Mm-hmm. And he's he's kind of the one, you know, between him and God and Jesus that got me to get back where I'm going. Hey, I'm going. Really? And because we were working out and he was like, you are freaking stupid if you don't wrestle in the Olympic trials. Because it was it was a heated contest. He could feel, yeah, you know, how what kind of shape I was in, how, you know, my positions and the things that help you win at the highest level. And ironically, he didn't make the team that year. Right. And I did. And then he stuck around and made that iconic 17-minute match against Brandon Paulson to make the team in 04. How he didn't clean your clock with that hug at the end of that match. I thought Man, I, I thought you were going out. Yeah, that was awesome. But, but you know, and we, I trained. I came and trained with him. And then wow. um, it was hard. Like when I came back, it was hard to – because I was, you know, pummeling, wasn't hardly doing any leg attacks. And so when when he said that to me, then I started drilling 100 leg attacks after every Greco practice that I had with him. I would drill 100 leg attacks. Because it was hard. Like when I came back here to train for that, it was hard to change your level. You know what I mean? I mean, it was yeah. really difficult, literally. You're straight legging and now now I got to go from here to there. And my, you know, the shape was different. The mentality was was different to stand down and why you stay down and they are two different sports. So is this after you made the world team in ninety nine and didn't go? If you had to put a time it on was it? was during this time. Okay. Ninety eight because I didn't wrestle in ninety eight. And then ninety nine. I'd wrestle in ninety seven, made the team, didn't go. Yep. Didn't wrestle in ninety eight. Made the team in ninety nine, didn't go. And so this is going on all that quad. Got it. Got it. And I was, you know, that was, that's another thing that maybe we don't need to get into, but, um, that was more psychological. You know, I've, I've, yeah. I want that out there that that wasn't, you know, like Flo asked me when they did that, whatever they did for me, they made me look really, really good. Great documentary. When they did that, it was like, you were hurt. And I was like, no, Bader, I wasn't hurt. It wasn't that it was. I was banged up, but I didn't know how. And Gable always would say, well, you got to train different. But he never told you how to train different. That's the brilliance of Gable. And by the grace of God, I learned how to train different. And all of a sudden, by Christmas of 99, I was in shape. And then Tom walked up to me and he was like, you probably heard that story before. He goes, he's like, you're wrestling this year, aren't you? And I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He He goes, all right, let's go. 
Man. And he didn't say anything and and it was it was uh it was a god thing. It was it was what needed to happen. Um what didn't need to happen is get drubbed in the semifinal match in the Olympics. That's what didn't need to happen. Right. <laughs> right, right. Against so the beer. That's the yeah. Dennis Hall in the nutshell and I love him. Didn't realize he had that big of an impact on your 2000 run. Huge. Wow. Huge. And he has an impact on me today. We don't talk a lot anymore. Um, but whenever I see him, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, a family. Uh, he's, yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. I had him on. He's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. He just lays it out there straight to the point. No nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, man. He was like, yeah, Terry would come up and work out. I'm like, you guys would wrestle Greco? Like, we worked out a lot. We didn't wrestle freestyle at all. Wow. Yeah. It was man. That is so cool to me. Yeah. So when you were so you're at you you're at ten, so Olympics you go to Tennessee. How hard was it to leave Tennessee and go to the OTC? Really hard. I called Jackson and I was like, I'm coming. And then I told our administration I'm going to Colorado. And then I got home and I called him back. I called Jackson. I go, give me the weekend. You know. Oh, and I called our administration. I go, give me the weekend. And that was so hard because we were rooted. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the first time that we had friends outside of the sport of wrestling, my wife. Mm. You know, and it was it was a different, you know, you were rooted. You were in the community now. And the team was awesome. You know, it was really hard to leave. Um, it came down to, uh, I don't know if I've ever said this on film before, but it came down to, I went to Steve Sloan, who was the AD, and... You know, we need 9.9 and I'm going to need another assistant. And he said, Terry, this program will never be fully funded. And he said it just like that. And I said, all right, then I got to go. And he was like, you're really going to leave? Like, well, yeah, I left Friday and changed my mind to see if you could meet me, come up with something. Yeah. And he wouldn't. And then I left and then they freaking fully funded the program Mm. for Joe C. You know, so they traded, right? you know, I mean, and, and, and I'm not going to get into it about what Joe C is and what he isn't, but I know what I had yeah, and I know who I am. And when I was in that Friday meeting, um, I got a hold of a piece of paper and it said it was a paper from um, somebody that was on the other side from the chancellor's office. And it said, we know what his weaknesses are. As in you? Yeah. And I couldn't get over that. Like, I'm, why did you give me this piece of paper? And it was another one of them, you know, them things. And she had given me something and she had written something on there that they had talked about. And I, and and they're asking me questions. I got really distracted because I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, what are my weaknesses? And everybody in the room was like, what are my weaknesses? That I don't go ask Alan Jones for, $500,000. $500,000. I'll ask Alan Jones for $500,000 when I win. And uh, the first time I spoke to an alumni group at Chattanooga, a little lady rose her hand. She goes, well, what do you need from us? And I said, nothing. I'll get a hold of you when we win. And that's exactly what I said. And that floored her. She was like, you're the only and the first coach that, that has ever said that. And they got rid of me. Kind of. It's crazy. Because if you don't, if you don't give me the package that you gave Josie, your belief in the coach that you had, it, it's not top notch. No. And so it was, I was okay with that. I was okay with that. I didn't hear, hold any grudges, anything like that, but I was, I was okay with that. But now I know why. Yeah. You know, but there was some real internal conflict you had over that weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I went trap shooting with one of the big boosters and, you know, and we hashed it out and, it came down to that. It's really what it came down to. And one of the people you coached out there, and this is the most crazy thing to me, is Kendall Cross. I've been working with Kendall lately, and he mentioned he had a comeback in 07, Russell Metcalf, and he's having dinner at your house as the as an yeah. athlete. Yeah, he came up. and It wasn't long, but it was a – do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty unique situation how it comes full uh, circle. Not really. I mean, it, it's unique if you see me as a guy that hated Kendall Cross. Mm. which is the medial portrayal. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I love Kendall Cross. Yeah. And I, he pushed me to greater heights. He he helped forge who I am. 
And yeah, he got something that I, you know, uh, aspired to. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was a better guy. He was a better guy. And he proved it by beating me. Yeah. It doesn't matter what his result was after that. He beat me off the freaking team. So, you know, hats off to him. It's always been that way. It's always been that way. And I got to think of, you know, you guys love competition. The competition that happened at this arena, January uh, 2020 with Penn State. I was here. It was one of the loudest I've ever heard Carver. Kemmerer overhaul, never forget it. When you look back on that duel, and I know you guys don't look, spend too much time in the past, knowing you got Penn State coming to town again this January, and it's two heavyweight titans going at it, like, is your mental preparation any different for that than it is against a duel against a D3 team? No, it's not when that duel is here. Um, it's the next thing. So, like, when you're getting ready for a D3 or whoever, it's the next thing. It's a it's a staple in the mental toughness community. You know, you get ready for the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to overlook anybody to get ready for Penn State, but it is circled, obviously. Yeah. You know, it, it, there are there are a few or, you know, maybe a more than a few dual matches that are circled on the calendar. And the preparation started when, for Max Meir, the preparation started when he started wrestling for Nelson brands. The preparation started when he started wrestling Yeah, for Penn state. But now we're now when it's the forefront, now we get ready for Penn state. And a lot, of, I'm, I'm sure you get asked about all the guys on your team all the time. One guy I want to know about his development. Max Murin is a guy who just, every time he goes out to a tournament, he's cut up, he's a bruiser. He's getting after it. How has he developed over his time here at Iowa? Just under your tutelage. He's been great understanding of his emotions, being in check you know, understanding that, you know, they, they like in mental toughness, they call it amp state. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets out of control that way and he, he tries to do things that aren't productive in his wrestling. I won't get into details. Sure. But he's the, the understanding part with him has been huge. Um, his development has been, I have nothing, no issues with that guy. He works. He's a freaking, as you know. Um, you're never going to get anything but the best effort from him. We got to make his wrestling positions line up with that effort. Mm. And you talk about getting things you know, mentally ready. You can go into amp state or flow state. Were you someone when you were wrestling back at Carver 1991, did you have a pre routine to get yourself mentally ready in addition to your physical warm up? Yeah. Same. They work together. Got it. They work together. So you go in, you, you're kind of sitting when you're getting dressed for the warm up. you're running through that routine and really the night before in the morning and all those during the weigh in, you know, you're, when you're on that bike shedding those pounds, you're going through it and very, very high, high level preparation that way. I had to, I had, I had to get ready for every match. I did not have a lot of raw ability. Right. Um, but I had a heck of a determination and I did not want to be the guy that walked off that mat without his hand being raised. Wow. So, and when you visualize, was it you wrestling someone? Is it you on the podium? Like, what were you thinking about on all those? It was a combination of that. Like in a dual meet, you're not really on a podium. Right. So, but there's visualizations of coming off the mat in the right way. Um, There's visualizations of things that you've struggled with. And okay, now go back to the crisis situation. Now wrestle it from there, and then making that negative into a positive. Um, it's really difficult to sit here and try to explain it in words. Sure, but it's so easy. Well, I, because the reps. Yeah, you have the reps. I mean, I've been doing it since I was in fifth grade. Yeah, you know. And I ask because a lot of parents listen to the podcast and they'll say, you know, should we tell our kid to visualize standing on the podium? Should we tell them to visualize? Getting beat because that's going to happen. Like what? Which and there's there's no right or wrong answer, and just the whole concept of visualization is kind of misty, right? And people didn't even believe in it for a long time. It is misty. It is. That's a great way to say it. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, the power of the mind. It can destroy you, and the power of the mind can make you. Yeah. And even when you lose an Olympic gold medal, it can still keep you in that. In fact, that's really the therapy. You know, that's being in scripture and mm-hmm. being in that mental toughness routine and understanding your emotions and things like that. Yeah. That's really what keeps you 
you know, moving forward after after the loss, if it happens, and it shouldn't happen. Um, so do you visualize losing? No, but you visualize moving on from a past loss, which helps you know what it's going to be like when, if it happens. Yeah. And journaling was something you did too, pen to paper? Every, every day. Every day. Yep. And are you writing goals or you're writing just how you're feeling at that time? Or it's Mostly for me, it was who's I'm going to destroy on the mat next. And then the next two most important competitions. So it wouldn't be like, so we got Princeton. Yeah. Right. So it would be, we're going to, I'm going to destroy whoever would be in my weight class, Princeton. And then it would be big tens nationals. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just another part of the way that I grew up in a routine. Got it. How it works. The amount of names in there. I mean, the the, the Alley Razor De Beers are in there. There's Yeah, the, I mean, the, the, so I many. still got the notebooks. And when guys get really confused in it and they get, you know, messed up, that's when I go, okay, look in that drawer and pull that, pull that notebook. What's the date on that notebook? 1991, uh, September to <laughs> February. Okay, open it up. What's the date? Da, 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 da. And I said, well, I was wrestling Dan Flood that night. You know, and no. so, and, and then they understand the context, you know. Holy cow. That is, and the, the structure of it was important for you to keep it consistent. Yeah, because it's short. It's yeah. condensed. I don't have three hours to work on this. I can't. I have, you know, before I go to bed and when I'm coming into practice, I'm waiting for practice to start. You're running through that stuff. And it became very subconscious at times. And um, I've been accused of being aloof by a lot of past teammates. Um, But that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, yeah, you're the, you're the one that's missing out. I didn't miss out. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, like I'm starting to check out. They're talking about the party last night. I know what's going on. I'm not an idiot. Yeah. But I don't, I didn't, you missed. I didn't miss. You're up here wrestling Jeff Prescott. They're worried about, they're worried about. You know. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Total sense. Yeah. that guy knew, Dan Gable. Absolutely. Man. He knew and and he, that's his expectations. And then by the time you were a sophomore, junior, you got the Steiners here, you got, and then it's the culture's rolling. And that's what I love about this culture now at Iowa. And I realize we're kind of moving back and forth a little bit, but. Just to kind of wind things down, I've picked up um, from some of the inner circle members a couple questions that they wanted to ask you. So I'm I'm, I'm their proxy. One of one of the <laughs> one of the Terry Brand's philosophies is attitude is a talent, or uh, toughness is a talent. What do you mean by that? Mental toughness is a talent, and mental toughness is toughness and attitude. Can it be taught? Heck yes, heck yes, it can okay. be taught. Um. Speed can be taught. Uh, name, give me, give me a strength can be jumping. Oh, jumping can be taught. Yeah. Now, Usain Bolt is always going to be able to outrun me, maybe, but I can train to close the gap on him right. and maybe just beat him when it counts. No offense to Usain Bolt, the greatest <laughs> sprinter ever. Um, but you know what I mean. I mean, if I was a runner, I'm never gonna give away an Olympic gold medal race to Usain Bolt just because he's him. Right. I'm going to compete and prepare that way. And that's mine. That's mine. That's how you think. And the beauty of that is you can control how you think. I can't control my raw uh, broad jump. I can't control my raw bench press because it is it's really it's i maxed out i hit 235 okay by let's see it's october whatever by december january i could max out at 255 maybe you know like Mm -hmm. if i'm a football guy yeah high school football guy you know how they think like sure right sure so there's limit there because your buddy might put up 290 and then hit 325. Right. You know what I mean? But the way that you think 
he can't think higher than me hmm. if I'm thinking at the highest. You know, how do I know that I'm thinking at the highest? Well, I got to keep building and uh, climbing and being raw and fair in the workout and the evaluation of the workout and the evaluation of the match. It doesn't matter if you won or lost. It does. It does matter. But after the match, it doesn't. Mm. Now what matters is get better at what you're doing really good and stop and and get better at the things that you're not doing so well. Right. And that's really what it is. And you can control that thought process. And the reason I ask is a lot of coaches you might hear, like middle school, high school coaches, they'll say uh, toughness, the kid, doesn't have, the kid has it or doesn't. But I've heard you and Tom say it, that you can teach mental toughness. And that's relieving to a lot of people. Yeah, I don't believe that he has it or doesn't at all. I think that some people have a further way to go. And part of that is the culture that they're raised in or the program that they're raised in or the mentorship that they receive, the way that they were born, the way that God knit them in the womb is a big part of that. And also a uh, uh, the way that they were raised, being from a family that's supportive, that's not, you know, all those things, all those factors go into that. And yeah, you absolutely, I believe you can teach that. Awesome. All right, second to last one here. When you were in high school, I know the Schultz brothers were big mentors of yours. How close were you to going to Wisconsin when Dave Schultz was there? I don't know how close I was. Um, I, uh, he's, and the funny thing is, is that we were really good friends. You know, he was one of the few guys that was outside of the Iowa program that just absolutely loved me and Tom. And, um, man, uh, you got an Olympic champion there. Andy Ryan was there. As a veto? Huh? As a veto? Yeah, as a veto was there. Yeah. And so it was a natural for me to look at it. You know, Dave Schultz was, Mark and Dave Schultz were huge mentors that I, they didn't even know who I was, but I, we watched them and we looked at their quotes and the way that they, you know, their work ethics and their things that they did, the brutality yeah. aspect. They're probably responsible for a lot of that in, in mine and Tom's wrestling, that development piece. Um, and so it's natural to look at it. But yeah. at the end of the day, you're a Hawkeye. Gable and Royce come into the house. I mean, what else is there at that point? Gable and Lenny. Tom mentioned Lenny earlier, and that's a name you don't hear around anymore. Lenny Zaleski. Unbelievable coach for you guys, right? Yes, awesome. Man. And the last one, outside of the Bible, are there any books that are on your reading stand that are like past couple of years or currently that you really love? There's a lot of books that are on there, and uh, most of them are military history. Nice. So Love it. Boom. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. To see video clips from this interview, please go to Instagram at Wrestling Changed My Life. This episode was proudly presented by Spartan Combat. The Spartan Combat Nationals are returning to Jacksonville, Florida, April 8th through the 10th, 2022. Register now at SpartanCombat.com.